so I realized I rambled along much longer than I expected to, but I, I think the foundation part was quite important because I think it's important to kind of break it down um, into what is needed to kind of have that sense of security, at least for me, like, you know, all this is just one person's perspective. Take it as a single data point. Um, yeah, so, but I'll jump right now, I think, into some of the things that we did that have helped us to stay together over the past few years, despite being apart for, or like moving around for, you know, around at least five years, I think, by now. Um, one big one that I think you'll also find for most people that you ask is that we had a plan to come together. Um, I used to think of these so-called plans to come together as like a long-term, you know, what's going to happen in 10 years or uh, where do we want to be at the end of our lives. There's a little bit of that, but I think in the short to medium term, it also helps to have a plan to come together. And so, um, so for us, I think she had moved to China for work. Things were in flux, actually, on both ends. I had also just changed jobs, but I was quite deliberate, um, I think, in finding pathways to get to China as well, where I also thought, as it happened, the the work for my field then, I was, I was in a VC firm, a venture capital firm, working with startups. Um, I thought that would be an incredible opportunity. I thought it would be great for the firm. Um, all this was pre-COVID. Uh, and, you know, just very aligned with what I wanted to do personally and professionally and what outcomes uh, my company was seeking to get as well. And so um, I think part of building that pathway, and this kind of verges into work, so I won't talk too much about it, but part of kind of being able to get that pathway or that... Um, that like that responsibility and that trust to go overseas was spending the first year being very committed to the work that I had been doing in a role that had nothing to do with market expansion um, and just really trying to bring focus on bringing value to the firm. It helped a lot that I enjoyed the space that I was working in. Um, I enjoyed the people. I learned a lot from it. It was intense and stressful, but it was also really rewarding. Um, but I think that first year of work put in really kind of built the base for me to go, you know, you are doing all of this expansion work. I'm probably best placed for us at this point in time in our organization to look into what that would look like for China, which is a massive market and a really exciting one. Um, I don't know how it's changed because I think uh, if you've... <laughs> This is really digressing, but basically, if you follow if you follow Chinese tech uh, and you know a lot of the movements, I think um, the market there has changed a lot. Uh, the way venture and tech relate to people's aspirations and government policy and international geopolitics is very different. I'm going back to Shanghai in a few weeks. I'm really excited to see what it's like on the ground. Um, but yeah, so at that point, I think I managed to get myself in a position where I had the responsibility to go into a new market and really just figure out how we could start from scratch there. And that was, you know, the best, the most exciting career role in my life, I think. Um, and 
it also kind of let me be together, like live together in the same city with my partner. And that was kind of all going according to plan. So that was great. So we had that kind of plan to converge in a one to two year time frame. And I think that was really important. I think it helped me work better um, because, you know, there's added motivation. There's that kind of alignment, right, which I think is always very um, energizing and empowering. And uh, yeah, and so that, that worked the first time. And then I think for the second time, what happened essentially was that I was locked out of China because of um, because of COVID. They they just shut down all the borders. If you were not, if you had gone in, you could not leave. Sometimes if you had gone in, you uh, you could leave if you're a foreigner, but you couldn't go back in to get any work done. And your possessions or <laughs> your family and all of that you know, within the country, they had also kind of been very strict about borders. So I, I had actually just signed a lease like two months before and then and then had to pay a whole year's of rent without being in the in the country. But all that's over now. Um, but yeah, basically because of that, you know, we had kind of set up this life. I had set up work such that I was ready to just jump back in and and like have the next five years just take off and have the greatest challenges of um, you know my, my professional life and probably the greatest growth as well. But we ended up just being apart because she was stuck inside and I was stuck outside. And that went on for over a year. And I think at some point, we then had to also sit down and just go, what is the plan here, right? What do we want to do for the next five years, 10 years? Because everybody's lives changed during COVID. And so one of the things that we did was to sit down and separately think about what do we want our lives to be like when, you know, what, what is our dream life 10 years from now, um, five years from now, and two to three years from now. And then sit down and kind of bring that together and figure out, okay, what are the areas where we see convergence and what are the areas where we see us kind of growing apart? Um, I think we were fortunate because for the most part, there was a lot of convergence. And even if it wasn't, even if what was in somebody's plan was not exactly in the other person's plan, there were a lot of ways in which they did not clash. And through discussions, we then could figure out, okay, what are kind of the key things that we should pursue, right? Um and we don't know if it will work out. Like this is a this is a dream plan, right? Like it it requires time and effort and money and luck. <laughs> um, so we don't know if we're going to reach there, but I think it helps to at least know that we're going in the same direction. Uh, so that's one of the things that we did. And looking back, now that we're out of the penny, um, and we are what like I think. Two yeah, two more years apart, <laughs> um, or three years down the road because I I can't count anymore. Uh, yeah, now that we're three years down the road from that discussion and that plan, actually a lot of things have gone in the direction that we wanted it to. That I think would not have happened had we not had that session, had we not had COVID. Um, yeah, and it, it does require 
it does require, I think, um, time and money for sure. And that's why we had to sit down and have that, that discussion about, okay, who is handling what, what are the challenges that we kind of see coming up in the next few years? Um, and how might we overcome that? Um, and so I think even while we were apart, we were apart for over a year, uh, like completely apart, not even, you know, being able to travel for like a weekend or something. Um, Zoom calls are not a great replacement for any kind of personal contact. Um, even though I, I'm now getting so used to Zoom calls, I feel like it's the reverse. I don't really know how to do personal contact. Anyway, um, yeah, so we had to kind of have all those discussions before to give us something to, to move towards um, and give us a timeline to also work towards to next be together. Um, and so I think where we are now really is just that we are in different countries, uh, a couple of time zones apart. Most things are pretty much going to, according to plan. So I think that's something that we can kind of look back on and go like, hey, this is something we are building together, right? And so... Um, back to that notion of what makes a relationship and, and there being a common goal and that goal not having to be some like incredible transcendent world-changing mission. Um, I think now there is a common goal for us to work towards, which is really helpful because then you feel like you're a team and you feel that coherence. Um, I think after that extended period of being apart because of lockdowns, uh, one of the things that we wanted to do, knowing that we would be apart for at least another two years, was um, we made a commitment to not be, not physically be apart for more than three months at any one stretch in time. Um, and so, you know, if we have to pay for flight tickets, we would pay for it. Uh, not exorbitant prices, and we, we still fly budget, of course. But, you know, an extra 600 to 1,000 to, um, to make sure that we kind of see each other and, and stay in touch and stay in touch with ourselves and with our family and as a unit, I think were, was very important. We kind of see that as an investment in our future. Uh, well, I, I shouldn't speak for her. I kind of see that as an investment in our future. And um, the other thing that we started doing, I think, at the end of last year was, or maybe beginning of this year, was to do like a monthly surprise. And the surprise can be anything. It can be, you know, like a nice candle that you kind of ship from, that you just order online and send, uh, or like something that the other person wouldn't think to get for themselves. Or in my case, because I'm a poor student, I'm like scribbling random music lyrics in, <laughs> in little notes and hiding them, uh, you know, and trying to see when they might pop up. You know, just something to keep us thinking about the other person. And just like a little source of delight, especially if we're both going to be kind of stressed from work and study. Um, so that's something that we've done and we're still doing. It's kind of, it's quite fun. I think it's working out. Um, it is like another thing to do sometimes, but I, I think it's important to take that as a source of, yeah, like delight and pleasure. Um, and that's something that we can give each other even when we're not around, right? So... Um, yeah, those are just some of the things that we do right now. Um, I thought it's 
helpful to end off with, um, I guess, a sense of some of the challenges that come up, some of which I think could have been foreseen and some of which probably could have been foreseen and I, did, I just didn't think about it. Um, but it's useful to have a sense of some of the things that will come up if you're doing long distance because then I think you can better prepare for it. So, uh, I mean, it's, it's almost like this is a ship that you're both steering from different places and then you kind of have to constantly adjust course because the weather conditions in each of the places are a little bit different and you need to communicate about what that is. That analogy probably doesn't hold. Um, <laughs> but, so I think, I think, um, not sure about you or anyone else out there, if anyone is even listening, um, but I think probably the first couple of things that come up about long distance that I would have thought are the major issues are, you know, um, attraction to somebody else and just distance and growing apart, right? Um, and I think to some extent that is there. I'm not the kind of person who gets attracted to other people easily, so I don't think that was a big thing for me um, in that, you know, even if it happened, and it's going to happen anyway, right? Because I think people are always looking for connection and sometimes it's rare, especially if you're in a situation where you feel like you need, um, I don't know, emotional and mental support and you would like somebody around to kind of be with you, but your partner's not able to be there. I think it's very natural to kind of look for that kind of um, comfort and uh, yeah, I don't know, comfort, support, um, you know, friendship, closeness, whatever it is, that to look for that connection wherever you are and wherever you can get it. So I think that's bound to happen and you kind of have to, it'll be good to prepare for that and talk through what happens if, um, you know, one or both of you does or do, oh, my grandma's shit, um, <laughs> Anyway, if one or both of you does get attracted to somebody else or your part, right, how are you going to deal with it? And um, I think one of the considerations is that sometimes this happens when, uh, when the relationship itself is not able to provide a certain amount of um, emotional support and connection and intimacy that you would otherwise be able to experience when you are together. So that is a challenge um, to consider. Uh, one approach that I think is quite interesting if you can kind of build into a relationship is to just kind of talk about it as as if it's an it's another event, right? As opposed to this is definitely a threat to your relationship. And then and then approach it from, okay, hey, this is this ship that we're steering together. And, you know, that happens to be this, I don't know, like this, this school of dolphins around the side. <laughs> and what do I do? Because they're maybe steering me a little bit off course. Because your priority is always kind of keep this ship uh, on course and to steer it together, right? To have that kind of partnership about we are building this for each other and with each other and all these other things that are happening, let's communicate about it and figure out what is the best course of action. So I think that will happen. Um, it's good to have a sense of how much disclosure and 
you know, other approaches or considerations you might want to have or discuss if slash when, um, you know, that kind of attraction and temptation comes up. Um, I think the other thing about distance probably is, it, I mean, it's always going to be there. We definitely are not as close as we would be if we were physically together because there's a lot of non-verbal communication that just gets lost, right? And that you kind of try to fill with calls and messages and really cute emoji and stickers. But, um, and by the way, these emoji and stickers, right? They're really useful. Uh, if you use any of those like cute apps or whether it's WhatsApp or like WeChat or I don't know, I'm sure like Telegram and the rest kind of have it. The ones that move and are of cute animals, they're really help. I find them really helpful um, <laughs> in communication, uh, in communicating emotion. Um, but yeah, I, I think there will always be a bit of a distance that you can't fully bridge. That's part of the reason why for us, we put in this once every three months pact. Um, and uh, you kind of have to accept that, acknowledge it, and figure out the best way to to go forward and the best way to kind of reach um, a, a subpar compromise, right? Because it's not going to be equivalent. So what do you do in order to kind of make up for it? Um, I will say a couple of things that I did not anticipate uh, was that period of adjustment that always comes when you do get time together. And maybe kind of related to that, um, probably more for me than, than for my partner, is the tendency to, I think, hold on to a specific impression or specific moments or um, an idealization of what things would be like when we are physically together. Right, because we've been looking forward to, to like this reunion for so long, um, and I first of all that is a good sign, right? If you are dreading a reunion, then I think you there might be other factors there that you want to step back and kind of think about. But if you're anticipating seeing each other, um, in person in the flesh, like holding each other like a tangible thing rather than like a virtual person on the screen, um, first of all that's a positive. You should celebrate it. Um, and I, I also think it, it's worth just being aware of whether you are carrying any expectations that might not be productive when it comes to that reunion. So I think for me, for example, um, and these are kind of two contrasting aspects. One is I think I, I tend to have this idea that, oh my gosh, when we meet, it's going to be perfect, it's going to be amazing, all these things that I have not been able to do for the past few months, I can now do, and I can do it with a greater joy than would happen if I was alone. Um, and then that sometimes can create the weight of expectation because that is not the other person's um, idea of what this reunion would be or what you would do during this time together. And so I think partially that can be um, that can be overcome by discussing ahead of time, you know, when you do meet, what is it going to be like? Like, what do you want to use the time to do? Uh, what are some things that you both can look forward to? Um, and what are some things that maybe one person wants to do more than the other, but you're still valuing that time together as opposed to not having that time together at all. Um, so I think it's important to kind of check your expectations. 
Uh, on the kind of flip side of that, I think, um, at least for me, there has always been an adjustment period, not just for my partner, but for anybody, right? When I'm living alone compared to when I'm living with somebody else. And this is particularly when we are in different contexts. So I think naturally, as with every couple, when, we're, when we first move in together, there will, be, there will be things that you have to get used to. Um, you know, there will be habits or perceptions or things that you've kind of taken for granted your whole life because we live how we were raised and we don't always realize that some things that we feel like everybody should know and is totally normal is completely not even on the radar for the other person. Um, and so I think, you know, there, there's always that. That's like the big move in together. But even these like reunions for whether it's like one week or two weeks trip or like, you know, even if you're fortunate to have like a couple months together, I've always found for me that there is that period of adjustment that I need to factor in for, which means, unfortunately, in a 10-day trip, I, I will spend maybe <laughs> at like two to four days, sadly, um, that time has reduced from one week to at least, I think, two to three days. Um, but I will spend the time kind of adjusting to the other person. Um, because when you live alone, you are bound to kind of have your own habits and ways of living, especially if you're moving to a new country or a new city and you're setting yourself up. Um, you know, you're, you're, you're setting up your own rhythms, your own patterns, your own like layout of the house, how you like things to be. Um, it's pretty much mostly dictated by you. And then somebody comes in, however close or special that somebody is, and has their own way of doing things, and that will disrupt, um, you know, whatever established patterns you have. Uh, and I think that's something that always kind of throws me off a little bit, that period of accommodation, like mutual accommodation. And um, honestly, just having another person around constantly is a different level of energy. And I need the least amount of adjustment with my partner compared to everybody else, you know, if it were anybody else. But um, there still is that. And I think it's just important to cater for it, to realize that that's going to happen and that it is not, um, it is not a signal of, it's not necessarily a signal of how well or how um, threatened your relationship is. It's just an adjustment that is that makes total sense, right? It makes sense that you would need to adjust to somebody else coming to your space. Um, and then just have that conversation. And so I think some of the hardest conversations that we've had, uh, whether it's long distance or not, have, have been where... Um, where there was the deepest kind of dissatisfaction or even feelings of rejection that I didn't realize I was throwing out, like that I didn't realize I was causing. And it was difficult to hear, but it was important to know that, you know, it like the way I was behaving was having this effect on somebody I loved and I didn't want it to have that effect. And just to kind of check that. Because sometimes you know somewhere deep down, but unless somebody kind of throws it up at you and goes like, hey, this is, you know, having consequences, it's sometimes easy for us to kind of look past it. So just, I guess what I'm saying is just be extra aware of your own reactions. Um, be aware that adjustment is always necessary and cater for that and don't take that as a sign of um, things are going to fall apart. Um, 
And then I think uh, another kind of broader thing, and probably this is the last one I'll mention that I didn't realize was, you know, especially if you are both in different countries compared to your home country where you might, well, assuming you're both from the same home country, where you might have a common basis of, um, you know, common references, common culture. Um, if you're both moving to different cultures and contexts, then just be aware that whatever situation you're living in will probably affect your values, um, your communication styles, just the way you think and the way you act, just because that is, that's the way we kind of shape ourselves, right? So the reason, for example, why I feel like it's so important for us to be very deliberate about our work choices and work environment is because that we because we spend so much time in at work that it will affect the kind of person we are. And similarly, if you're going to move to a new country or you're going to move, let's say, to a different work context. So for instance, corporate versus startup versus um, finance versus studying, right? These are all completely different contexts where there are different priorities and frames of references that come into play different skills and thought processes that you use every day and those are going to shape your values um even more if we're talking about you know so we both like one of us moved to china one of us moved to australia and in terms of the pace of life the priorities the values when it comes to things like you know social justice or um the trade-off between efficiency and connection uh like, like, China and Australia are so far apart on the spectrum. Um, and I think it's, it's easy when you spend a lot of time in very different contexts to kind of have that friction of values or friction of priorities or ways of thinking that um, just kind of start rubbing up on each other the more time you spend apart in different contexts. Um, and again, I feel like, you know, there's no one answer to how to approach this. I would not advocate kind of, if you find that you are in a particular cultural context that fits the person that you want to become more, then I think that's good, right? That's good for the person that you are going to be. That's good for your own self-realization and actualization. But when it comes to this relationship, I think it's important just to be aware again that this could be something that comes up and it could be something that comes up in a fairly fundamental way. Like it seems to cut to the core of who you are being individually, right? And then the question is, okay, then how do you come together um, as you seem to be growing apart? And... For me, I mean, I think partly this is an ongoing process of negotiation for any relationship, whether you're talking about long distance or not. Um, it's just that with distance, you don't kind of see yourself moving uh, in a particular direction on a day-to-day -day basis. But when you come together, then you realize, oh, okay, there might be this gap. And so I feel like, well, at least for me, a lot of it is grounded in, okay, a, let's give each other to be the space, uh, let's give each other the space to be the people that we want to be, 
and where that is not aligned, let's think about are we getting in each other's way or are we enabling each other to be a better version of ourselves? And that doesn't mean that we need to be the same person. But I think that's that's where... Um, I'm not sure boundaries is the right word, but that's where I think uh, being very clear about who you are as an individual and realizing that being in a relationship does not detract from your own identity is really important. Um, a second part of that, I think, is... Uh, well, so part B, right? I said A, I should probably say B, uh, is I think grounding in the everyday. Um, because I feel like at the end of the day, how do I know that this person is for me? It really comes down to how do I feel with this person? And even though we might differ on a bunch of different things, um, at the end of the day, do we still have that kind of home and that kind of acceptance and anchoring um, with this person? And do we do we do I see myself growing uh, with them? And do we see also do we see ourselves building something together, right? And I feel like a lot of it as I get older comes to comes down to the day to day building and the day-to-day experience um, of enjoying things together, like simple things, rather than big overarching ideas. And so I think if you're kind of able to have those two ingredients, it really does help overcome a lot of things. Um, Yeah, and I'm sure there are like many other ideas as well that are really helpful. Um, But I thought I should, you know, those are, I guess, my thoughts on this. And um, what I really wanted to say with this last segment was just anticipate and be aware of the challenges that will come your way. Figure out together how best to deal with it. And, you know, just accept and acknowledge that this will happen and it's not the be-all and end-all. Um, yeah, and then maybe we can prepare better for it. Okay, so that's it. This has been really, really long. Um, I'm only putting this up with the approval of my partner, who shall remain anonymous, um, (laughs) but who exists. It's not a Canadian girlfriend. I'm not even from the US, so that reference is not... Never mind. Okay, goodbye.